Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes knows the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Ephraimites and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reinbold, and this is the House of Ephraim show today. We do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in the show. It's Mark Reinbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. And you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call. 618-262-2810 and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Decker. Going to study. One of the festivals is about to come upon us called Rosh Hashanah. It's a very important time in the Jewish holidays, or Jewish festivals, if you will. In fact, we're entering into what they deem to be the high holy days and the awesome days uh, that we're reaching with Rosh Hashanah and then 
come on the right, uh, uh, the back side of that will come Yom Kippur. Now, this is a special season because it has something to do with, and all to do with, the time in which it is. And in Hebrew, it's pronounced Tesh Hava. It's in the Hebrew word which means to return or to repent. And it begins on the first day of the month of Elul and continues 40 days ending with Yom Kippur. 30 days under Tesh Hava on Tishrah, which is uh, the first day of that, which comes the day that we call Rosh Hashanah. Now, now this begins a, a, a final 10-day period beginning on Rosh Hashanah, and it ends on Yom Kippur. And these days are again known as High Holy Days of Israel and as the Awesome Days. Now, the Sabbath that falls within the 10-day period is called Shabbat Shavah, the, sh- the Sabbath of Return. Five days after Yom Kippur is Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, we also know Rosh Hashanah as to be the Feast of Trumpets, and the reason that is, and we're going to uh, go through that in a few minutes, is that, that that is a time that they blow the shofar in order to call the people of Israel to repent. Now, this is a beautiful, beautiful thing, as I understand, in the land of Israel. And it's also a beautiful thing when there are communities of, of, of uh, Jews uh, because you will, hear, you will hear the shofar horn being blown every day. And what that is, that is a call to the people to come and to re-examine their lives and, and decide what they're going to do about changing the things that were in their lives. In other words, it's calling them to repent or a place of repentance. You say, well, yeah, well, we're Christians and we're Messianic Jews and, you know, our repentance is one thing. Well, let's go back and remember something about being a Christian. Receiving Jesus, Yeshua, into your heart, what that does is relieves you from the sin of not believing him to have been and being the Son of God. Is what that is. In other words, and I have always said that your eternal life is based upon that. It is based upon whether you believe him to be the Son of God. And now, again, that doesn't cover, that doesn't cover because you have received him into your heart, does not cover all of your sins. That's the reason Paul said, I sin daily. That's the reason that, that we have taught you by the Scriptures through the years that, that you must stay in repentance and you must understand that every day that you need to repent. You need to repent for the, the sins that you have knowingly committed and the sins that you have unknowingly committed against the Word of God. And that's important for us to do and it's important for us to remember. So, so these, the high holy days that are coming upon us, called Rosh Hashanah, is going to be a Rosh Hashanah, is going to be a time of us recalling to ourselves the things that we have let slip in our walks with, with the Lord. And I think that all of us can, can go back and begin to do this. I, I, think that's a, the, I think it's so beautiful to know that the Jews spend the time. Of course, I, there's a big difference of them not having a Yeshua, Jesus, uh, and professing him as Lord and Savior, as us as Messianic Jews having him as Lord and Savior. And I don't think that we need to, to uh, expound uh, in any depths to that. I think that we fully understand what we have that they, they lack. Uh, but the fact of it is, not only do they recall, uh, begin to call themselves to repentance, it's also a time for us as Messianic Jews to enter in and begin also to realize that we too can use a time to repent. So for 30 days... Uh, for each day of those 30 days, the shofar horn, the ram's horn, is blown to warn the people to repent and return to God. Now, you know, even though we as, as Christians have sat in churches all of our lives in some of our cases, sometimes we forget, bless God, again, of things that we should be doing with God that we no longer do. And that's really what this time will mean to us, as again, as Messianic Jews, is a time of going back. And you may say, well, uh, what, what could that possibly be? Well, it may be that during, during this last year, or the years, in fact, since this is the first Rosh Hashanah that we will have celebrated as Messianic Jews, uh, maybe that during that time you have gotten yourself into some things that bless God that are sinful. Now, and this will be a good time to let those surface and take a good hard look at them. Now, granted... There should be a Rosh Hashanah every day in our lives, okay? But let's all face it, there's not, is there? 
There just isn't, and that's 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 that, that's one accord in which it is. And you know, uh, when you when you stop and you really think about this thing, and you begin to examine the fact that when when the Lord comes back, when Jesus Yeshua comes back to this earth, this this festival, all these festivals will still be implemented or will be completely implemented to the world by the Lord Himself. So there will still be a time when there is going to be the blowing of the shofar. I spoke to one rabbi here a couple weeks ago, and he said that, that they will blow that as many as a hundred times during a service. But the fact of it is, this is very important to them, because every Jew on the face of this earth, when they hear that shofar being blown during that time of the year, it's a reminder to them, just as these are reminders to us, okay? It's reminding. Again, I, I can't say enough for the fact of the way that God constantly wants to remind us. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to, to realize that, that He loves us so much that, 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 that Christ Himself is a reminder to us. He, he is a reminder to us. But these festivals are very special because it, and they fall at such times of the year. You know, again, the, the Feast of Trumpets and, and all what we're going to hear. And we're going to talk a minute about the, the, the silver trumpets, but we're, going to, we're also going to go further with this. Now, those who the, the believe in Messiah, again, are called to examine their lives and see where they have departed from God. If, if not, that's fine. To examine the Scriptures and the evidence the Messiah was who He said He was. And it's always good to go back and to do all those things. Now, repentance speaks to all people and doesn't miss out anyone. But I'm going to tell you something about God. God is always and always has been in the business of warning His people from judgment. And the, the Rosh Hashanah, now is beginning, not that it's ever not been this, but it's more so today than ever before, uh, being blown to try to get the people to, to understand, to try to get them to realize. You know, uh, we were with our family this uh, last past Sunday, and we went over to Holiday World. Now, it's been a while since I've been out into, the, into that kind of a, a situation, but I was in complete awe at seeing all of the tattoos that I saw. I was at all of that. And, I, and, and one lady had a, a, and she had the baby in her arms, but I couldn't see the baby well enough to know, but she had a tattoo of a baby all the way on her leg, all the way up on her leg. And I thought to myself, I thought, isn't it such a pity that they don't know what they've done to themselves? They don't know that they might as well go out and, and, and bless God, tie a millstone around their neck and jump off in the ocean because it's a curse to them. But you see, when you don't know the Word of God and you no one has ever bothered to tell you the Word of God, I don't know that it's so much a fact that no one's bothered to tell them the Word of God or somebody, bless God, is in a position where they no longer want to hear the Word of God. Well, you're just behind times, Brother Deckard. I mean, tattoos is in. Well, you better read the book of Deuteronomy. You'll find out tattoos were never in. They were never in. But yet there, all the people, there they were smoking cigarettes. i never seen so many people smoking them one time. I mean, uh, we were outside, and it was gagging me. Smoking cigarettes, having a, a, a ring either in their nose or in their lip or their eyebrow, and I'm looking at this thing and I'm going, what's wrong with all this? Is it the fact that we are so old-fashioned and out of tune with the world? Or is it the fact that the world has become so wicked and worldly? And I remember saying, I said, you know, what I would really venture to say about all this is that if they saw the person that first decided to do the tattoo." If they saw the person that first decided that it was cute to put a ring here or, or pierce their tongue and put, uh, you know, they would have seen something very sick. But what they didn't see was that, and what they saw now is, let's be different. Okay? Well, if there's anything in this world that's different, it's the Lord God of Israel, Yahweh. God is different. God puts a perspective before us calls His Holy Word, the Holy Scriptures. And He did it, and He put it down so that it would be okay in this generation just as it was in the first generation. 
And that's what's neat about God, isn't it? That His Word is still exactly the truth today as it was then. Now, does it mean that everybody that has these tattoos is right because that's the thing and the thing to do? No, it doesn't make them right. What it makes them is sorry. Sorry. Because the Bible explicitly tells us that if you are to mar your skin, tattoo your skin, you have cursed yourself. Cursed yourself. And if you've cursed yourself, there's no hope for you because you're cursed. Well, you might say so, but look at this. I've got money in the bank and I've got a job. Your money in the bank and your job will perish. The most important thing that's ever going to happen to you in this lifetime is when you stand before the Lord God of Israel. And when you stand before Him, you will know how meaningless everything this world had to offer you really was. Then we'll begin to find out that some of the choices that we have made on this earth were bad choices. Then we'll begin to wish we'd made some different choices. Now listen to me. That's what Rosh Hashanah is all about. Trying to get us to understand the choices that we have made. To be certain that, you, that no one judge you in those choices, but that you judge yourselves within those choices, to be certain that they line up with the things of God. But how sad it was. Hundreds. That park was so full there was nowhere to park the cars. Tattoos everywhere. Everywhere. And I'm going... Is it that they don't know or is it they don't care? Do you want to know something? It's both. They don't know and they don't care. Because you see, that's the way that they chose. And again, with God, He gives us a free will, doesn't He? And again, some of us are going to find out that we made some pretty sad mistakes, didn't we? Now, in Ezekiel, if you'll turn there in the 8th chapter, we're going to read here just, just, a, just a dab if you will. 21. Oh, Ezekiel 8 doesn't have 21. Where am I at here? I'm sorry, Ezekiel 18. Well, that's nice. I just left out the 1. 21. But if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed and keep all my statutes and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. All his transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him in his righteousness that he hath done, he shall live. Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God, and not that they should return from his ways and live. Now, you know, if you've ever studied this 18th chapter, and I assume that if you haven't, you should have, because I've ministered on it through the years, but you see, there's something very important here, and I said it earlier, God doesn't wish. See, God doesn't wish that anybody perish, but all should come to him through repentance and live. And what he's trying to say here is, he's trying to say here is that they'll not die, he says, if in fact, if in fact they'll turn from all of their sin or his sins that he has committed and keep them. You know, you've got to turn and keep. Say turn and say keep. See, that's where the key is. You've got to turn from the sin, then you've got to keep the word or the law. You've got to turn, you've got to keep. You've got to turn, you've got to keep. You've got to turn, you've got to keep. Turning and keeping are completely two separated things, and they will always be that way. It's one thing to say, I'm going to quit. I'll never forget when I become a Christian and I decided that I was going to quit chewing tobacco. I was going to quit, okay? Now, I was quitting before I become a Christian, but I never did anything about it. But now that I had become a Christian, I decided I was going to quit chewing tobacco. That, this, this, I was going to quit it. I mean, I just, one of those things, that was going to, was going to, and you know something? I never turned from it. I quit, but I never turned from it. You can't quit something without turning away from it. I used to always say turning, quitting means never again will you enter into that whatever it is that you quit. That's what quitting is. It means never again. From that point when you say, Lord God, forgive me, it means that's it. Never again am I ever going to do that again. 
Now, how many of us in this room have ever quit but never quit? Boy, that can get sticky in a hurry, can it? We quit, but we didn't quit. We didn't turn from it. We said we were going to turn from it, but we didn't turn from it. It's sort of like it's sort of like uh, the, it deals with 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 people having all kinds of problems. It doesn't have to be chewing tobacco. That was just an instance with me. But again, uh, you know, when the pain of remaining the same becomes greater than the pain of change, you'll change. If that's where you really want to come to with God. Now, it also in the thirtieth in the thirtieth verse. It says, Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, saith the Lord God. Repent and turn yourself from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. What is our ruin? Iniquity, sin. See, any time that you're living right before God, you can expect everything to come up roses. You can expect that. But again, it isn't, it isn't or it shouldn't be with people like you and me, it shouldn't be the things that we know that will hurt us, meaning the sins that we know that we should. It is always the things that we don't know. See, it is things that, that we don't know truce to. Now, I'll go back to the tattoos. They don't know truce. Now, there were some of those people in that park, Sunday, that if they would really know the truth, some of them would have just an inkling amount of fear of God within them that would hear somebody say, Listen, do you realize that you've cursed yourself by putting that, that, that tattoo on you? Do, you? do you know that? By the Word of God. Not me judging you, but God said, if you tattoo your body, I mean, you're cursed. You're a cursed thing. Some of those people say, oh my, how do I get this thing taken off? Okay? Some of them would do that. So, that's, so that's, what, that's what we have to get ourselves into a place of being able to see and being able to understand that with God, again, it's, it's repentance. But everyone according to his ways. Everybody will be judged according to his ways. Cast away from all of you your transgressions whereby ye have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? Of course, not just talking to the house of Israel, but it's also talking to us individually. For I have no pleasure in the death of, of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. Again, that is God's plea to us that we would turn and we would live. So you see, again, Rosh Hashanah is turning and living. You're not going to find a Jew that you can convince that he has not been cleansed from his sins. Now, see, as Christians, we're far from understanding that. Right? Far from understanding that. But you see, this is what Rosh Hashanah is all about. The high holy days of Israel is for people to return and to repent. Did God say that if they returned and repented when we got into the... Let's, let's back up over here just a little ways. That if they turned and they repented, that they would be, they would be set, set right? He says, uh, at 22, all his transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him. Does that say anything about Jesus being in the picture? Not a thing, does it? Now listen, now that won't work for you and I, okay? Because we know who Messiah is, right? But God did not leave them without provision. Now, you, you know, I've heard people for years say, well, all of them is going to go to hell. You'll never get a Jew to believe that. You'll never find an Orthodox Jew that probably wouldn't throw you right out this door on your ear for trying to tell him that. Because they believe that God's Word. Why? To know it to do good and to do not is sin. Now, if they don't know it, they don't know it. The fact of it is, they will all look upon the one in whom they have pierced before all that long, and then things are going to be different, and they will be different. But what I'm trying to get through to you is that the Jew has a means and a way of repentance. And I'm not talking about the ones with Jesus. I'm talking about the ones that don't know him, that have been told, and unfortunately for them, have been told that Jesus was no more than just almost a fairy tale, in most cases, not even mentioned, and if at all, he was just a prophet. He was not the Son of God. Well, uh, as uh, some, of, some of these people that I've gotten to know told me, said, you know, the, you go back and study this thing, you'd have to realize that it was going to happen during the time in which Jesus was here, Yeshua, and it was going to have to be somebody like him. So the fact of it is, Israel missed him anyway. 
Instead of waiting on Him to come, you know, this time, like they're waiting on Messiah to, to come now. But the fact of it is, Messiah has come, and praise God that He has. That's revelation knowledge. Rejoice because you have truth. See, that's the reason I said, uh, I said to you when I did those three hours on spiritual hearing, to rejoice that you're able to hear. Don't, don't, don't look down your nose because somebody that's left didn't see. Bless God, it's been given to you to see. It's been given to you to hear. It's been given to you to understand that God is taking the church into some depths that the church has never, never even evaluated for almost 2,000 years. That's exciting. That's exciting. And like I said, when all these things begin to happen and the miracles begin to flow and bless God, God begins to do what He's doing, I'm going to tell you it's going to get a lot of attention. Because God is still in the business of being God. Amen? Now, the whole month of this 30-day preparation through personal examination and repentance for the coming high holy days, the chauffeur is blowing every morning service. They start with Psalms 27. I want you to turn there at Psalm 27. Now, we, we will not be holding service every day. Again, if we were in a community where we had a large contingency, and I'm talking about thousands, it would be a different story. But we're just not, that's just not where we're at right now. Pray to God that one day we are. Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Who is the light? The Lord. Who's the salvation? The Lord. Who and whom only should we fear? The Lord. He's the strength of our life. Who should I be afraid? He goes on in the second verse to say, When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat, me, eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. He said, uh, they stumbled and they fell. Why does he get such confidence in God? Because he understands that. He understands completely that the message, the message, bless God, for Rosh Hashanah is very, very clear. Repent and live. And that is the message of Rosh Hashanah. Or you'll find yourselves, in, the next thing you're going to have, you'll find yourself in the days of all, which is Yom Kippur, which we'll discuss at a different time. Now, during Rosh Hashanah, another important time and doing within that time is that there is a sealing, a bonding. And they believe that there's a bonding for the whole next year that's about to come. They believe that everything is sealed and through repentance and, and taking yourself back to the things of God which are true. I understand uh, from the sources that, that, that I have talked to and can talk to that if there's a, any Jew in the world who's going to get right with God, they're going to get right with God during Rosh Hashanah. They're smart enough to know that that's the time to do it. That's the time for repentance. It's the time to get them their hearts right with God. It's time to go back and do the Shama again. It's time to go back and to do the things that they have been taught from days and ancient times of old so that, so that they can move on into the things of God. But it's sealed. They, they believe the whole year. Now, don't misunderstand. This isn't, this isn't the terminology they use, but they believe that their luck of the future of the next year is sealed upon their repentance. Okay? Can you understand that? In other words, they believe that all the good things that are going to happen to them that was going to happen because they represented themselves before God through repentance, the call of the shofar being blown, and their time of repentance during, during that time. Now, Rosh Hashanah marks the Jewish New Year. And again, it's a season of repentance. Now, the word Rosh in Hebrew means chief or head. Shana means year. Rosh Hashanah is the head of the year on the civil calendar and also known as the birthday of the world since the world was created on that day. Now, I didn't know the world was created on that day, did you? You said, well, how do they know? Well, we may touch some of this tonight, and if we don't, we'll touch it later on. 
But they believe that it's when the world began. Okay, now, maybe we better talk about that. When Adam, and God created Adam, he created him on this day. How did they decide that this was the day of the year the world was created? Because the first words of the book of Genesis, which is Beereshit, in the beginning, when changed around, read, or on the first of Tishra, which is Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is known as the birthday of the world, for the tradition tells us the world was created then. And you can't get any Jews to believe otherwise. Again, you know, I think the beautiful thing about all this is that I learn things every day that I'm going sitting there going, wow. Did they teach you that in theology school? No, they didn't. You know why? Because the Jews weren't going to let it out. I'm going to tell you something. This is a guarded thing that we're into. The reason people don't know, and they, see, that's again, the, the, when you start talking to the Christian community like this about these things, they sit there and go, oh, that's not the truth. If that's the truth, well, you know, we, Billy Graham had told us that on television. And that's where we're at, okay? That's where we're at. <clears throat> there are four New Year's in the Jewish calendar. Nisan, or Nisan, is the New Year's Day of Kings, the date of determining how many years a king has ruled. And for months, Nisan was the first month. Elul is the New Year for the tithing of animals. Shabbat is the New Year for the trees. And Tashri is the New Year of Years, which is Rosh Hashanah. The, the anniversary of the creation of the world. Rosh Hashanah was observed for two days. And this is kind of interesting because this is the only festival in all the festivals that is done in two days instead of one. Okay, I mean, they, they may mark it over a period, but actually in the time that they, they celebrate it. And the reason they do that, and it was difficult to be able to, and if you, if you were with us when we did a thing about the new moon falls during this time, that during that time of it falling, they couldn't determine until it actually came to get the word out to everybody that, yes, it's time for Rosh Hashanah. So what they did was they just got what they thought was close, and so they made it two days so they knew for a fact that they would do it right. So they say, this is a Jewish tradition, that Rosh Hashanah is the longest one day in all of their calendar year. It actually takes two days, Okay. So if anybody asks you how long that they, they celebrate it, they celebrate it with two days. Now, unlike other festivals, they're celebrated, and, 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 and they celebrate so much with the fact that those that aren't in Israel, those that have been dispersed, or those that have never come back to Israel. So the fact that the festival can be also on their calendar, and so it is, you know, it, it's all set up. And again, that's the reason that the, the, another reason that the two days and dysphoria, meaning those that have been dispersed, they also have an opportunity and a chance to celebrate within that. Now, in Psalms 98, if you'll turn there with me, 98, the sixth verse. It says, with trumpets and sound of cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. Now, this is 98.6. The blessing we receive from God when we understand the meaning of Rosh Hashanah and the blowing of the trumpet or the shofar is found in 89.15. If you'll turn there, the Psalms. 89.15. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. And that is the blowing of the shofar. Okay? How blessed 
How blessed are the people that know that sound. And again, as I said, it, it's something because what the word terah means is an awakening blast. Okay? Now, it is associated with Rosh Hashanah as to awaken or to awake. And that's really what it's all about, is to wake you up so that you'll know that this is the time uh, of the holy high days of Israel. This is the coming, and this is the, this is the time to turn and repent to the Lord God and turn away from your sins. Now, if you will turn with me in Isaiah 42, Isaiah 42... Eleven. Let the wilderness and the cities thereof lift up their voice, that the villages of Kedar doth inhabit. Let the inhabitants of the rock sing. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. Now this shouting is also a sounding, an alarm. Let them shout. Let them shout with joy. Let them shout the morning. Let them shout the, you know, the, the, the fact that judgment is coming from God. So it is, it is a, associated with the, with the word shout is also shofar, the horn itself, the ram's horn. Whether it be the blast of the shofar, the force of the supernatural shout, God's goal to awaken us, and that's his goal. Now, obviously, there's going to be a shout, the Bible talks about, but there's also going to be the trumpet. For this reason is written, written in, in Ephesians 5.14, Turn there quickly. Ephesians 5.14 Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. This, this awakening, this awakening, bless God, is in reference to Rosh Hashanah and the high holy days. Now, in 4.30 of Ephesians, 4.30, it says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now this sealing again, and being sealed, and that's what they believe that is happening. Now this, I'm, I'm not taking this out of context as to what it is, because that is a, a sealing of receiving Christ that we have as Messianic Jews. But it was also a time of sealing, as I said before to you, that they believed that God was sealing them for the entirety of the whole year. Now, that does not mean that they could go out and sin all that year. It meant that God was giving them the opportunity to repent and turn from their sin for the coming year, which is a fantastic thing. Fantastic thing to think that, you know, that... Uh, see, uh, you, you have to really realize that there was no other religion on the face of this earth, in which there was a God represented within that gave room for repentance. There was never been another religion that there's ever been anything such as this given unto the people by a God, especially the living God, Yahweh. And, and of course, then we as Christians came in on the, the tail end of this thing, and I, I hope, I, you know, I pray, I pray so hard that, that, you know, the thing that we did about the history of the way that Judaism and Christianity was, was together and how it was driven apart. And I hope that you've studied that tape, and I hope that you've gotten it down into your hearts and in your minds of understanding that, that bless God, that, that, that God never intended, never, ever intended for the church to have left Judaism. What happened was that we had, through uh, a lot of help, was driven away from Judaism. But again, God's time and God's hour and God's timing within the hour is nothing more, anything less than perfect. And he will bring back and do what he wants to do anyway. Now, uh, the 12th chapter in the book of Isaiah is talking about the shouting, the context of a thousand-year reign, which we know is to be the millennium. The Messianic era and shout is mentioned in Isaiah 42, in Jeremiah 31, Zephaniah 3. The first coming of Yeshua is associated with a shout in Zechariah 9. The ultimate shout of the rapture, of course, is 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, in 16, 17 verses. Whereby it's the blast of the chauffeur or by the force of a super, supernatural sound, God's goal is to awaken us. 
For this reason it is written, Awake sleepers and arise, as we read. Now, we have ourselves a position, and we have taken the position, of believing that what God is doing and what God did with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I used to always say what's good enough for Peter and Paul is good enough for me, and now I'm saying what was good enough for all of them is good enough for me. All right? But the fact of it is that we have now begun to associate ourselves with something that should make our Christianity much stronger, of understanding where all this came from, how, how it, was all, it, was so, it was so diversified that it almost became like a machine, and not a heart of man, but like a, a mechanical heart of yes and yes and cut and dried and no and no. But now we have chosen to go back and begin to understand from the very heart of God himself and the very heart of God's people themselves exactly what this was all about and why it was all about it. Now, the theme of awakening from sleep is used throughout the Bible, and you can find it in uh, all kind of different places. The shofar is a physical instrument that God instructed us to hear, the sound of the chauffeur teaching us to awake from spiritual uh, slumber. Uh, I want to turn in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and uh, pursue a verse here. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, the 46th verse. It says, Howbeit, or however, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and after that which is, which is spiritual. What's he talking about? Well, the fact of it is, we can find this thing happening. There, there is going to be a supernatural sound that's going to be heard. When the end of time begins to evolve, and when that great shout, that great, the great chauffeur, is sounded in heaven itself for our Lord to, to ascend back upon this earth and to reign the millennium, the thousand-year reign, I've been asked this for it seemed like seemingly ages. Will this be a physical or a supernatural sound? Well, now the Bible says that the world will hear this, but will they hear it with supernatural ears or will they hear it with natural ears? Now, I would tend to tell you that I believe that it will be with, with, with uh, supernatural ears. And the reason I'm saying that to you is that... You, I will keep taking you back and as the years begin to, to mount upon us, and they will, to get you to understand that there's the sons of darkness, the sons of light, and the sons of this world. And it is given unto some of us to know. And I'm sorry that if it sounds like I'm boasting about you, but I am. Most of you in this room, it's been given for you to know. Under those other people, they may never know. Now, it may be to us almost as a disclaimer, if you will. It may almost be unto us because, oh, look at us, and oh, aren't we doing great because we know, and nobody likes us, and they're all chucking spiritual rocks at us. But you see, God didn't say it would be easy. He didn't say anything about it was going to be a cakewalk. But you see, you can do no more about knowing what you know in your heart about what we're doing here than I can. You can't do anything about that. Why? Because it was given unto you. See, but you have to realize that if, in fact, it was given to us to know, when that chauffeur sounds in heaven, do you not think that we're not going to hear it? You bet you we're going to hear it. There's going to be a great time of gnashing of teeth and wailing that's going to happen on this earth. And it's coming, brothers and sisters. It's coming just as sure as I stand here before you this night and as sure as you look at the pew in front of you this night. That time is going to come to this earth. But before it comes, God is desperately trying to get us as believers to know in whom we have believed to get us to understand that He is still supreme, He is still upon the throne, and He still has everything in control. 
that you and I, if you will, are just as pawns, of, pawns upon a board being moved here by God and being moved there by God to get this done for God, to get that done for God. And the blood of which all the martyrs have shed has been the seed that has been planted even for this day and this time that we walk this earth now. So uh, just exactly what is this all about? For you or is it for God? What's well, for God? Because our presence on this earth is to please Him. Our presence on this earth is to do that which He has called us to do. And when He begins to pull at our heart and He begins to move our heart and change our heart, again, why is it they don't see it? Because they can't see it. Have I had to set you that are here in this room down and argue with you about what's right about this thing? But the ones that are left, I could have argued till, till Christmas, and it still wouldn't have changed their minds. Why? Because it's not given to them. So rejoice. Rejoice that you understand. Rejoice. God's army has always been a minority. It always has been. It always will be. It's not something simple when God begins to direct and say, hey, we're going to go this way, and I'm going, oh boy, this is going to be fun. This is really what we need, isn't it? A prophet with a beanie and a cape. Not that I didn't have enough trouble the way I was, right? But I'm here to tell you, God's got something in mind. In the days of old, the chauffeur was used in every solemn occasion. We first find the chauffeur mentioned in connection with the revelation on Mount Sinai, when the voice of the chauffeur was exceedingly strong, and all the people who were in the camp trembled. Exodus, the 19th chapter. Thus, the chauffeur that we hear on Rosh Hashanah ought to remind us of the acceptance of Torah, of the Bible, and our obligation to it. The chauffeur should also be used and sounded when war was always, it was always used when war was waged upon a dangerous and evil uh, enemy. To hear the, the Rosh Hashanah ought to also serve as a battle cry to wage war against our inner enemies, the powers of darkness. It was also sounded on the Jubilee year, herald freedom from slavery, Leviticus. Spiritually, this refers to freedom from slavery of sin, the desires of this world and serving the devil, Romans 6 and James 4. Another reason for sounding the chauffeur is that Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah is a celebration of the birth of creation. God began to rule over the world on this day. When a king begins to reign, he is heralded with trumpets. That's why in Psalm 47 precedes the blowing of the chauffeur uh, uh, to be called to the call of nations. Sing praises to our king, sing praises, for God is the king of all the earth. It also precedes, because of the interference of the show, or the references of the chauffeur in previous verses of, of Psalm 47, 5, it's written, God has ascended with a shout, the Lord with the sound of the trumpet. Now, the Jewish traditions, many reasons have been offered for the sounding of the chauffeur. The ram's horn is identified with the ram that because the substitute sacrifice for Isaac. And that's the reason, it's a, and that's the way it's identified. And you'll find that in Genesis 22, 1 through 19. The giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai was accompanied by the sounding of the shofar, which we said. Exodus 19, the proclamation of Jubilee was heralded with the blast of the shofar. Leviticus 25, and the commencement of Messiah, the Messianic age, is to be announced by the sound of the great chauffeur, Isaiah 27. Now, <clears throat> the chauffeur was blown at the temple at the beginning to begin the Sabbath each week in the temple. Now, of course, we're, you know, that's something, too, that you're, we're going to have to really concentrate on the fact that a lot of, this thing, a lot of these things were done in and within the temple when it was there, and it's no longer there. And there, I think there's where a real fine line, we, we have to really be careful as to where we draw that line as today. I know people have come to me and said, well, are we going to burn incense 
in the synagogue? And I said, I don't know. And I, and I don't. I, uh, some of you are still trying to go 100 mile an hour, and I wish you'd just kind of sit back and relax and enjoy this with us. Instead of trying to run out here and learn some things and then come to me and then me have to go spend time trying to find something out for you when it's kind of ridiculous that we all just can't learn this together. And if you'll just take time, we'll get to those things. If you'll just give me a chance, we'll get to these things. I realize that the incense, the Bible teaches us, are as our prayers that are going up to heaven is like unto that of the incense burnt in the temple. And I realize that. But I'm still not convinced that, that burning the incense today isn't something that, doesn't, that does need to still happen because I believe that probably it does. But I don't know. That's just a guess. That's not, well, thus saith the Holy Ghost. I don't know. But there is very deep meanings within all that. And, and of course, they do burn incense. Uh, most Jews burn incense in their homes. And, and if, you've ever been to, if you've been a Catholic, you understand that uh, they, they use incense there. Uh, the only time that I personally have ever seen it was when I was in a, a, a funeral uh, where they took incense and went around the casket and they, they, they used it. Uh, so there is something, and, and of course everything that has been done, and that's something very interesting if you look at closely, is that there's a lot of parallelization between the, the Catholic Church and that of, uh, of Judaism. And the reason is because that's where it came from. The Catholic Church came out of Judaism. So that's the reason if you look at the Pope, he's got the hat, doesn't he? He's also got one of these. Now, it's not like this in particular, nor is the, is the, is the, the, the keppa uh, like this which we, we wear. But the fact of it is, it's there. And everything that they do, you can, you can just go back. I mean, they, they light candles. They, they believe in, in praying the Spirit into heaven. They believe that. The Jews believe that your spirit can linger on this earth up to, up to 12 months, depending on how bad you have been. Okay, until they can get you purified. Now I'm here to tell you that's a bunch of baloney. But the fact of it is, the fact of it is that's their belief. Okay, that's what Jesus. You know, that's what he was trying to do with the thing with Lazarus. Said, so, well, he's been dead. What was it? Four days? And they believed at that time that that spirit would linger on this earth for four days, in the in the body itself still. And that's what now that there's, they believe the whole year, but they believe four days it would still linger, linger. It would be out of the body, so that's the reason Jesus wanted to wait until that time had passed, so that he could prove to them something. That God was big enough to draw that spirit back from the from the, the annals of time itself back into that body and raise that body up, and that's exactly what he did, wasn't it? Now. <clears throat> There's two types of trumpets that are used in the Bible, the silver trumpet and the chauffeur ram's horn. And we're not going to get into much of that tonight because we're really not talking about the silver trumpet in this case. Uh, we're talking about strictly talking Rosh Hashanah, and we're strictly talking about using it within the, within the ram's, ram's horn itself. Now, uh, <clears throat> if you will look at me, with me in Exodus 19... I think what I want to do here is run down a few things here before we close to show you 1919, which I mentioned it before. And when the voice, now I'm in Exodus 1919, and when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. And of course, we, we begin to show you that that voice that came thundering out of the mountain, that they, off that mountain, the people. Actually, when it's broken down in, into the Hebrew text, or broken, I'm sorry, away from the Hebrew text, it's actually that the words were formed, and they were actually seeing the words come at them. Almost a Steven Spielberg special, isn't it? Now, uh, Israel conquered in the battle of Jericho with the blast of the shofar. Okay, that was a shofar, shofar horns that they used. Israel was advised at the advent of Messiah with the sound of the shofar. The shofar will be blown at the time of the ingathering of the exiles of Israel to their place. When Israel, and I've told this before, took over the Temple Mount during the, during the, the last war that they had with their cousins, the Arabs, the minute they took over that Temple Mount, the first thing that happened was somebody went on top and blew the shofar. The first thing that happened. Nothing else could happen. 
All of Israel stood in awe until that shofar horn was blowing. Why? Because that is the announcement. That is the announcement. And that's the reason this thing is so strong. Again, and again, you have to understand, the blowing of the shofar is an announcement. It's an announcement of God saying repent, or it's an announcement of here comes the judgment. It's an announcement of God. And that's what that shofar is all about. A Rosh Hashanah is a blowing to bring you and then gather you to repentance is what it's about. Now, uh, the watchman who stood upon Jerusalem's walls blew the shofar. The shofar was blown at the start of the Jubilee year. I should have given you all the... Let me back up and give you these if you're taking notes. Um, the Battle of Jericho, Joshua 10, uh, 6.20. Uh, the advent of Messiah with the sound of the shofar, Zechariah 9, 14 and 16. The again, gathering of the exiles of Israel is Isaiah 27.13. Signal the assembly of Israel during the war was Judges 3, 27 and 2 Samuel 21, 20, verse 1. The watchman who stood upon blew the chauffeur was Ezekiel 33, 3 through 6. The chauffeur being blown at the start of the Jubilee year is Leviticus 25, 9. The chauffeur as a reminder that God's sovereignty of, is sovereign. I'm sorry, reminder that God is sovereign. Is Psalms 47.5. The ram's horn, the shofar, is a reminder of Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac and God's provision of a ram as a substitute. Genesis 22.13. The shofar was blown to announce the beginning of, of festivals in uh, Numbers 10.10. 10. It was, it was uh, the shofar was blown to celebrate the new moon on Rosh Hashanah. Psalms 81, 1-3. The blowing the shofar is a signal of call repentance, Isaiah 58, 1. The blowing of the shofar ushers the day of the Lord, Joe 2, 1. The blowing of the shofar is sounded at the rapture of believers and the resurrection of the dead, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. John was taken up to heaven in the book of Revelation by the sound of the shofar, Revelation 4, 1. Uh, seven shofars are sounded when God judges the earth during the tribulation. Revelation 8, 9. Revelation books 8 and 9. The shofar was used for the coronation of kings. 1 Kings 1, 34 and 39. So you see, the shofar has been a very, very important thing throughout all the ages of Israel and will continue to be that important in these last days in which we're here on the face of this earth. Uh, I, I, think that, I think that probably the best way to, to, to identify, I think, is to say that God is, God is bringing forth in this time, in this age, he is, he is not redoing something old. He just now beginning to pick up and con- the continuation of that which he did. Can you understand? That, that what God is doing is actually just bringing a continuation. In other words, he's going to go back, and he's going to now usher back. Hey, thank you again so much. That's Prophet Tom Deckard, Mount Carmel, Illinois, Cradle of Hope Ministries. Again, you can get more information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. Get out there, do yourself a favor, find out what's going on here, and you won't be disappointed. So, again, you can also get more. All the tape series is out there on the website for you to get a hold of. I greatly encourage you to get all that. You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com, and we'll be praying for your prayer request. Again, that's cradle at jewishprophet.com. Shalom. Until next week, remember, with God, all things are possible. Shemu <laughs> Nikra.